Welcome to episode two of Safe Home, for struggling teens and their families finding their healing path. I am Joey, a teen recovering from substance use, suicidal ideation, depression, and anxiety. And I'm Joey's mom, Beth, and I am walking beside him as he works hard for his recovery while I work hard on my own personal growth and healing. We have created this podcast to transform the pain we've endured over the last several years into helping other troubled teens and their loved ones. We want to share what we've learned, what we've seen, what has worked and what hasn't. We are not experts in anything except our own stories, and we encourage you to seek out professional help if you're struggling. We have a list of resources in the description. Please note that this episode contains some swear words, descriptions of drug use, and mentions of suicide attempts, and may not be appropriate for sensitive listeners or younger children. We want to make sure everyone knows that this podcast is not glorifying or endorsing illegal activity or substance use. This podcast is for educational, prevention, mitigation, and harm reduction purposes. For this and the next several episodes, we will be talking about one specific drug or drug class. In today's podcast, we will be diving into cough medicine and other over-the-counter drugs. Did you even know that cough medicine abuse was a thing? I was absolutely clueless about this until Joey landed in the ER with an overdose. And many other parents I've spoken to had no idea that kids would abuse over-the-counter medicines either. Joey and I think it's really important to inform the public about this accessible substance that's right under our noses. Dextromethorphan or DXM is the active ingredient in cough medicines like Coracidin, Ribitussin, Dimetap, and NyQuil. Diphenhydramine is the antihistamine found in over-the-counter medicines like Benadryl, Suminex, and Unisum. Both of these substances, when used in very high doses, can get kids hooked and are very dangerous. So, Joey, what uh, do the kids call these drugs? Do they just use the regular names, or do they have other names for them? Well, um, names I've heard have very popular ones are Triple C's, um, Red Devils, and then for Rubit- that that's for Triple C's, and then for Rubitussin, or that's for Corsetin, but for Rubitussin, I, I would call it Robotripping, um, like anything with Robo, because it's like Robitussin, so like, it kind of makes sense. What's a Triple C for? Why do they call well, it Triple C? On the um, pill, there's actually two C's on the um, pill. I don't know why they call it Triple but there's like two C's on the pill. I think the whole medicine name is called Coracidin Cough and Cold. Maybe that's where the three, three Coracidin C's Coracidin Cough and Cold. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mm-hmm. actually didn't know that. I wonder why they only put two on the pill. Okay, well, anyway, what, you know, when, when anyone uses a substance, uh, whatever it is, there's something they get out of it, something good that they get out of it. So what do kids like about taking these over-the-counter medicines in high doses? Well, obviously, it gets you high. Um, in medium doses, like for, for a coracidin, I would say like 250 milligrams. It's, it's sort of like a party drug. It, it, it gets you high, kind of makes you feel drunk. But at high doses, I would say it's more of like a disassociative and uh, um, like, Ketamine. It's very much like ketamine, which is a tranquilizer, a horse tranquilizer. But oh. that that's um, dextromethorphan. Uh, diphenhydramine, which is in Benadryl, 
actually is more of a trip. It, it, in, in only in high doses, it seems that for me that um, it, it gives me more of like a psychedelic kind of like words popping off of the wall and kind of stuff like that. You're hallucinating. Yeah, you're hallucinating a lot more. Whereas uh, with triple C's, you're gonna be um, more disassociated than tripping. What does that mean? Uh disassociation i don't know what that means in um practical terms in practical terms or in like street terms i would say it's like you're leaving your body okay and kids like to do that (laughs) Uh, well in, in a sense most people who do it are struggling with like internal problems i would say Mm -hmm. so they want to escape this reality and that's a very easy way to do it that makes sense okay so dissociation okay so these drugs and ketamine which is a whole different um definitely not available over the counter um, it's also dissociative okay and what is bad about taking uh, these over-the-counter medicines in high or even medium doses high or medium doses they can easily easily affect your internal organs because you don't know exactly what's in them if you're not looking for the right like yeah. stuff. I, I've read that you know some of those medicines have acetaminophen in it, or um, what was the other thing that sometimes they come with the coracid and also has other medicines which are extremely dangerous to overdose on. Oh yes, oh yes, acetaminophen is actually very very um, uh, bad for your liver. It, if mm-hmm. you in uh, a high enough dose, it could just instantly shut down your liver. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, but um, there's differences between, or like ER. Oh yeah, extended, extended release. release. Mm-hmm. And the extended release is really bad. For extended you? release is extremely dangerous because if you take extended release quercetin, you're gonna be tripping, or disassociated, for a lot longer. Oh, okay. Yeah. I read that there are seventy different. Uh, drugs over the counter with these medications in it. Yes, probably. So many different versions of it. Um, anything with uh, DM, by the yes. way, Robitussin DM, Mucinex DM. The DM is the uh, stands for the DXM, which is that dangerous um, uh, part of the drug that we're talking about. Ugh. Why else is it bad to take? Why else, Why else is, is it, it bad? dangerous? Well, it, <laughs> it could really screw with your brain. Um, after taking enough, you, you lose sense of what's reality. You kind of go into a sense of psychosis. Ooh, that sounds scary. And um, it sounds, um, like, mental health-wise, really scary. Oh, yeah. Uh, you, you, you will... Go- Not all people, but people who have a, um, a problem with mental health, like, in the background, most likely, or if... It, it, it triggers it. It, it, it will... Make you think differently about yourself and what's around you. It, it, psychedelics, disassociatives, things like that will definitely show people things like that. And it, it, to the ones who are not ready, can affect their mental health truly. Mm. I've seen you get kind of paranoid uh, when you've used those substances. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very uh, common because it's... Uh, you're losing sense of reality, and in, in, in that state, people are 
to people that are not under the influence, they are they seem paranoid because okay. they are paranoid in in what in their reality they they don't know. They in their reality they sense a sense of unsafety, mm-hmm. and then they feel like they they essentially are paranoia. I feel like is a sense of unsafety where you you don't know what's coming for you mm-hmm. or if your life is at danger. Where people who are in reality in this reality truly have a a grasp on that they're not in danger at this moment. But if you are under the influence, you take into account every single thing that's around you. And then they and possibly could be dangerous. Everything could be dangerous. Literally. Oh, wow. That's terrifying. Yes. I bet you could get easily um, abused or uh, taken advantage of when you're under the influence of these substances. Oh yeah, um, especially under disassociatives, you're not you're not there, you, you you're not there at all. So, uh, under high doses, at least you, you're you can easily easily be taken advantage mm-hmm. of, and and it's n- it's not safe. Especially if I, I would say if you're a girl, I I would be very wary if you take that at high doses because you could be very easily taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. Or you could just like walk in front of a car or something. Oops. Yeah, you're delirious. Um, in some ways, if in this harm reduction point of view, I would say if you do, if you're about to take a high dose right now, definitely make sure you have a trip sitter there to make sure you are not at any risk of danger to mm. yourself or others. Why didn't you explain what a trip sitter is? Well, a trip sitter is someone who's not under the influence of anything, who is there to reassure the person who is under the influence that they are under the influence and that they are going to come back to reality. Mm-hmm. And that's a good reassurance that you are going to come back and you are just under the influence of a substance because usually you forget about that when you're under the influence you mm-hmm. you you're taking a hold of the substance and the substance can control your mind to think that it's in that reality which you perceive you are in yeah you totally lose your grip on reality yes H- have you used a trip sitter before yes multiple times but in my early stages of psychedelic and drug use I didn't I, w- I just dove into the deep end without any trip sitter and that's how I lost my touch with reality and um, how my mental health got um, very very much uh, uh, impacted right that's when you tried to kill yourself right yeah you're we talking about yeah, yeah really really scary yeah. um, wow oh what what made you use this substance in the first place? How did you hear about it? What was the initial uh, try about? Well, the initial um, word that I got it from was actually from a psych ward or a mental health um, hospital. Um, I, 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 it was very ironic, actually. Um, 
I just happened to be in a hospital where kids knew about that and um, they told me about it and I got interested in like an addict mind you find ways to escape and when you don't have your fix you go to something that isn't your fix and that was my new fix was um, that because I tried it once and then got me hooked. That was Benadryl, right? No, it was actually Corsine at first. Oh, it was Corsine. How did you get a hold of Corsine in a psych hospital? Um, no, it, oh, Benadryl I did try at the uh, hospital because we did a, a like, like uh, cheek it and hold enough to get high, but that was in the hospital. When I got out of the hospital, I experimented with Corsine oh, okay. hearing about it. Oh, okay. So, and what did you just say? Cheek it? Yeah. What does that mean? It's when you cheek the pill and um, you hide it from the nurses. Okay, so the nurses would give you Benadryl. Why were they giving you Benadryl? Well, to go to sleep. And oh, you say, okay. oh, I'm t- I can't go to sleep. Um, or like, I have allergies. Can I please have a Benadryl or something like that? And they just hand them out to you. Yeah, but you do have to give parents permission, I believe. Okay. Um, but most parents would say, okay, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, Benadryl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay, so you hold it in your cheek and then spit it out and save it. Yes. For later. And then there's higher doses in the um, hospital, actually, oh, of Benadryl. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's true. Tell them about the games you, you and the other kids played. Oh, yeah, we gambled for them. <laughs> Yeah, quite a, quite a low point in my life if you're gambling <laughs> for Benadryl, I guess. So whoever won the bet would get the pot of Benadryl. Yes. And then get to go on a, a big trip with it. Well, I, we didn't get enough to go on a big trip. But oh, you get a little enough, high. Just a little high, yeah. Okay, but that's good enough for a, um, someone who's addicted to substances in a hospital, in a hospital yes. where you can't just go get whatever you want. Oof. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so you came home and you said, "Wow, that was cool. I wonder how it would work if I took more." And you yeah. you got uh, corsetin and uh, took that in high doses. Yes. How, how did you get it? Did you just ask your dad for it? Um, by the way, Joey lives with his dad, so. Yeah. <laughs> the first time I was like, "Oh yeah, Doug, uh, I have a cough. Can you give me some corsetin?" And then. Uh, he got me one box, and that actually did it because one box can actually fuck you up. I would say. So you took a whole box at once. Yes. How many? How many pills are in a box? Um, I believe eighteen. Oh yeah, yeah. So you yes. took eighteen pills at once, and for my first time, yes. you weren't having a trip sitter at that time. No. <gasps> well, I actually I did. Uh, well, it wasn't. I wasn't alone. It was actually when my roommate was there. Oh, okay. Somebody else was there, but they might not have been sober. No. Okay. But there was another human being uh, yes. that knew you did Yeah, it. but it wasn't the correct way. Of right. Doing it. Not in a safe, uh, safer manner. None of it. Yes. Really and then definitely take into consideration it is somewhat a disassociative and you do, it does affect your psyche. So mm-hmm. it, it's like, you got to treat it like a psychedelic, I would say. So definitely. Set and setting is important. Okay, can you explain the set and setting? Set and setting for psychedelics is definitely a big part because you have to be in a safe set, which is 
most likely going to be your home or a place that is more comfortable and um, recognizable and um, familiar. Familiar. Okay, so you wouldn't take it in a bar or something. You no take it in a home environment. That's their set. Yes, and, then and what setting, setting is like you got to make it comfortable for you, and you can't have like your parents not knowing, and then they ask you like, "Are you on a drug?" And then you get all paranoid, and you you kind of lose yourself then. Okay, so setting it up to be safe, set and setting is yes. the place. And making sure you've made arrangements to keep yourself safe. Yes. Um, and then definitely keep people around that you know. And then that are un- understanding that you are under the influence. Because if you have people around that don't know you, you will have thoughts about them that may be perceived that are, that are not true because you don't truly know them. So you could get in a fight or uh, they might think you're crazy and call the police or something like that? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so we're definitely not encouraging teens to use psychedelics or these over-the-counter medicines. But if if you do, harm reduction model is how can you do it safer? Yes, definitely. So set and setting. Okay, um, so you were in a lot of pain. You said it was one of your lower points, uh, gambling yes. for Benadryl in the psych hospital. It was pretty, that was a pretty tough time um, on my end too because we sent you out of state yeah, it was such a blur. It was really uh, a blur. I bet. Like, I was in such a low mental state that I just was disassociating, not just with drugs, but in my mental, I was not there. Without even drugs, you were dissociating? Yeah, I was wow. probably adding to the disassociation with the drugs, so wow. I was extra not in reality. Wow. So California... Um, for our listeners, California does not lock you in anywhere. There's no locking anyone in. And Joey kept running away, running away, running away and from everywhere. Uh, and so we like, what do we do? So in Nevada, they lock you up in a couple other states, Utah, I think, um, Arkansas. Uh, so we sent him to a psych hospital in Nevada. Uh, it was not ideal at all. Yeah, which I don't recommend. Yeah, I do not recommend it either. And they all got COVID. The whole hospital got COVID. Oh, yeah. And one person died. Yeah. Yeah. One of the medical um, staff people died. Yeah. It was horrible. That was a really, really low point. So the reason, and then you came home from that, it's still at a very low point. Then you took. Oh, yeah. Uh, Do you want to tell them the story about when I came home? Oh, the airplane? Yeah. Not the airplane. It was just. You know, I feel so bad, but like the airport. The oh, police. the airport. Yeah, it started in the airplane. Uh, yeah. Okay, so the whole flight home from Nevada, um, Joey's just super fragile and uh, his mental health is just, I can tell he's just on the edge of flipping out. Um, they sort of hand me this, <laughs> they hand me Joey, like, here you go. He's yours now. <laughs> I think the hospital did a little jig or something when we left. They're like, yes, done with that one. It was not uh, not assuring at all. Um, and Joey was just not in good, in good shape. So I'm flying home with him. And the whole flight uh, to LAX, he was saying, I'm not going home with you. I don't want to be with you. I, 
I'm going to go use drugs again. I just, just let me go home and with my dad and let me use drugs. So, and then we walked around the airport. Oh, I guess we had to stop in Las Vegas. So, uh, yeah. And we walked, walked like, around, 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 around and around, arguing and arguing and arguing. And uh, just, I'm just trying to keep you calm so you don't, you know, hurt myself try. or others. Yeah. And then we got to the airport and you're like, I'm not going home with you. So I'm like, well, why don't you call um, somebody that can help us? And so you said, oh, I'm going to talk to the cops. So we did. And they the cops were actually so helpful. They were really good. They de-escalated the whole situation. Um, it was during COVID. So there was absolutely no one else in the airport. Yeah. Like Literally, there were five cops helping us. It was actually a, v- a very good experience for me with cops because I, I have like a bias towards cops but against it cops, showed yeah. me yeah yeah it, it, but it it is it, it showed me that there is hope with cops yeah they were really caring we yes. we had some really good cops and so we did take you home but it didn't last very long and then you ran away yeah. again um but uh so low point and then using um using these easy to obtain substances got you dissociated which is where you wanted to be you wanted to be not in your brain at all not in this reality yeah bye-bye all the way gone yes <sighs> oh yeah yeah okay so i mentioned earlier that the first time i heard about this i i found you in the er what happened that time how how did you use it that you ended up in the er oh uh, well the first time that i overdosed i took like 48 pills of corsetin, um, which is actually, now that I think of it, insane. Mm-hmm. Because I, the last time I took corsetin, I only took like 24, and it made me completely disassociate, and I, I was not here. And that was with 24, so you took twice that much? I took twice that, and... That's 24, of course, Eden, is almost an overdose. So a milligram or more is an overdose for coracine. And that I took like 950 milligrams. Okay, so, oh, so a gram, a gram is an overdose. Yes. Okay, so you were really close. So uh, that's um, with the 48, you were a, gram, uh, a milligram away from... Uh, overdosing and probably killing yourself. No, with with just twenty four. Um, twenty four. <gasps> yeah. So oh I overdosed. I oh, did you, overdose. You really badly overdosed. Yeah. The doctor said, "Oh yeah, he could have died easily." Yeah. No. 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 Um, I don't know how I survived. Um, I actually, now that I think of it, uh, I was so out of it that the ho- the whole memory of that was a dream it like literally felt like a dream the um memory of when i first took it through the day it just because it was it's funny i visited the place i took it the day or like a week after and it literally the whole day at that place i was like i swear to god i've been here before because it was the first time going there when i took it but then it was the second time going there, I didn't re- remember being there. Wow. You, so, so you took like it not at home. You took it no. somewhere else. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do you remember me visiting you in the hospital? No, I, I, I don't remember anything 
about really? the hospital. I just <laughs> I just remember I think they put like a, um, a catheter in me, and that's the only thing I remember, and that was the weirdest feeling because <laughs> I was under the influence, and it was just like whoa. <laughs> but that's like the only thing that I really can truly remember is that. But um, it's just a blur after that. Wow. Well, I'm kind of glad you don't remember because we got we were kind of fighting. Uh, I was like, "What are you doing?" You know, I was super grateful that you weren't dead. But like, Crimeny, can you stop doing this? Yeah. <laughs> but that, obviously, that didn't help. But um, it was that was not a good day. That was a really bad day. And then. Uh, you would think that that would be the last time that that would happen, but it happened again in a week, I think, right? Yeah. I, and then the first time I wasn't hospitalized, the second time I was, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's probably a couple times you used it and you were just like comatose bed at home and nobody maybe even knew. No, yeah, I was, I think I've seized multiple times. Like had a seizure? Yeah. Really? How do yeah. you, how do you figure? Because I wake up on the floor. And you were in the bed when you started? No, I was standing and I wake up on the floor. Oh, whoa. That's scary. So you have yeah. no idea what happened because no one yeah. else was there at the time. Yeah, no one else was there. So I might have had seizures. I most likely comatose myself multiple times. Wow. Yeah, the doctor was like, yeah, he was pretty well out of it for a long time. And there's nothing really? they could do because it's but not in your stomach or anything. Yes, it's in my system. Yeah. It's literally in my blood so, or in my brain. So yeah. They just kept track yeah. of your vital signs and were like, okay, let it, let it wear so out. So essentially they were just hoping I came back. Yeah. So yeah. I could have just never came back. Yeah, yeah, pretty easily. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. That's pretty terrifying, huh? Yeah, so um, a forewarning to people that take it or are trying to take it or about to take it, just know that you may never come back from what you're about to do. Yeah. And that's the scariest feeling. It's really, it's really scary because this stuff is over the counter. Yeah. You wouldn't and, it think can, that and it can get you to a point of so messed up that you are no longer in this reality. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. All right. Uh, so do you know other kids who are using this stuff? Yeah. Okay. So, um, so kids are using it uh, probably because it's um, so cheap, right, and easy to get. Yeah, and well, you can find it in a drugstore or like a normal store, and you can easily get it for free by stealing it. So yeah, kleptomaniac is uh, someone who who kind of is hooked on stealing. Yes. Because it gives you a rush. Yes. And they have them. In, yeah, they have them in little boxes, right? They're on the shelf. Yep. So um, uh, I know some of the medicines that people make meth with, they put behind the pharmacy counter. Yes, yes. But they don't do that with um, DXM and... Um, well, now they do. They, they're actually starting to do that, which um, is actually probably because of me. <laughs> because, no, like, I'm serious. Because I used to steal all the boxes of Coraseed and at Target, and now they're finally... Putting them behind the counter. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're changing the world. <laughs> yeah, I'm changing the world. I'm changing the world. Yeah. It, it, uh, but uh, now some other kid can't steal it because it's not available yep. on the shelf so easily. Yep. At least at that Target. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, so I bet um, 
not only kids use this, but like poor people that can't afford. Oh um, yeah, oh yeah. Um, it's it's called poor man's ecstasy. So mm. yeah. So cheap, easy, cheap and easy to obtain. Yes. What have you done to get off of using it? Well, a lot of treatment, um, and then also a lot of mental preparation for the next day of not doing it. So if uh, if you come off of it, you're very scorcedin or DXM. It's a hazy next day. It's very hazy. Oh. So it's either you want to get fucked up just to get rid of that haziness or you have to deal with it. Oh, okay. So you might just take some more the yeah. next day because you feel so bad. Yeah. Or take a different substance or whatever. Yeah. So you, have you kind of created scenarios for yourself and thought of what you would do? And then were you able to... Uh, to kind of reroute yourself when yeah. that has happened? Yeah, surround yourself with good people. Uh-huh. So the, th- the treatment, what kind of treatment are you talking about that's been helping? Well, um, treatment in the past that's helped, I would say, is like treatment programs and hospitals and stuff. They, they teach you um, the, the science behind what's happening in your brain. Okay. So that helps you know what to do about it okay okay so you have strategies kind of cognitive behavioral technique yes. strategies yeah. to to when you feel this way you're going to do this reach out to someone or go ride your bike or keep yourself busy those kinds of things yeah yeah okay and you're also you've been working hard on uh kind of your your own mental health um with miguel yeah uh, do you want to share a little bit about that? I guess we could get into a little bit of that. I mean, I'll, I'll just summarize it. It, it, it. He just helps me with trauma. That's the basic. That's the basics of it, and understanding that your childhood trauma can form who you are in the present, and then working through that trauma can break you free to develop into the true human that you can become. Mm-hmm. And in your case, your trauma was uh, adoption and uh, the divorce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both those things happened when you're really little and didn't have any sort of tools to go, oh, my birth mother is too young to take care of me. You know, you had no clue what was happening. So yeah. that's, um, and when uh, I divorced you from your dad, you were still, you were four, but four year olds still don't know how to process. Yeah. major events like that. And I did not do a good job. I didn't understand trauma at all back then. And uh, if I would have done things, uh, I was still divorced your dad, but <laughs> <laughs> I would have done it uh, differently if I were to do that today. Yeah. So, uh, but I'm so proud of you, the work you've been doing with Miguel, because I think that's core to how you're, you're able to, to heal yourself and to come to a place now where you, are feeling so much better and not reaching out for those substances. Yeah. Thank you. It's that inner work. That is so tough. I've told you a million times, but there's a lot of uh, grown-up adults that have not delved at all into this stuff that you're dealing with. You know, there's like, I don't want to go there, la, 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 la. Well, it's a hard step to take. It's very hard. So I'm so glad that we found Miguel because he's... um, you really trust him, and he's really walked you, walked with you. Yeah. Um, 
through through all the painful painful bits that you're processing. Uh, so that that's really how to get off of these substances. All of it, really, all the substances is that inner work. But um, those cognitive behavioral therapies or techniques also also help in the moments. Yeah. I would I would guess. Um, what do you think parents and others can do to help keep kids away from these over-the-counter medicines that could kill them? Just hide them or don't buy them. Uh, if you don't need them, don't buy them. Hide them if you have them. Lock them away. Do anything to that you can think of to keep them out of reach of your child's hands or mouth. What if so? Yeah, right. What if someone has like a 10-year-old and they, they can't imagine their kid ever doing something like this? Do it just in case because you don't know what your kid's thinking. You truly don't know what's going through their head. Yeah, that's for sure. I had no idea. And adolescents, they're um, separating from the parents. That's their that's what you're supposed to be doing yeah. when you're an adolescent. So the parents don't hear all the details anymore and the kids get kind of sneaky and, and uh, yeah, so lock, lock all that up. And even uh, Tylenol and Advil, and just lock it all up because you could really do yourself in with any, any of those drugs. Oh, yeah. Your own medications. Oh, my goodness. Uh, when we started locking everything up after Joey was hospitalized the first time, we found Tramadol for the dog. Um, way down underneath the sink by the dog food. Uh, yeah, tramadol is uh, in the opioid class, and it's a very dangerous <laughs> drug to have laying around. Uh, really helped the dog. But, uh, yeah, so medications, just, just lock them up. Put them, we put ours in a, well, maybe I won't tell you where I put ours. Yeah, don't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they're locked up, and uh, it's a pain in the neck, but um, our son is still still alive uh and he's uh and also the kids don't get tempted if they don't see it out all the time yeah um also if your if your kid keeps asking for oh <coughs> i have a cough be kind of suspicious um yeah and the other another thing you can do is you know show responsible use of your own medication and make sure you're modeling good behavior, not just popping, not even Advil, you know, just, you know, deal with your health conditions as much as you can, the root cause, and not just popping pills all the time. Uh, I know that a lot of people just, like, take a couple Advil every time they feel a little, eh, so just modeling that, what do I need to do? I need to de-stress or whatever, instead of um, taking those over-the-counter medicines or prescription medicines, for that matter. Okay, I think this was really helpful. I hope it was really helpful for people. And I think if you're anything like me, a lot of this was brand new to you. And you're like, what? I can't believe that. And But please believe it. Take it from us. This is happening with our teens. And uh, we need to protect them. So our next episode is going to be about weed, cannabis. And uh, so that'll be very apropos. I'm... I know around in California, there's a weed shop in, you know, every other, every other store is a weed shop around here. So that's very, very prevalent in our, in our neighborhood. So anyway, so next week we're going to be talking about weed and we really appreciate you uh, tuning in and listening to what we have to say about over-the-counter medicines. Yes, thank you all. If you would be so kind as to share this podcast with other teens or 
families that have teens or um, teachers or coaches or addiction medicine professionals that might not be aware of what else going on with kids please share this episode or our our podcast in general and please rate us in apple podcasts if you have a chance thank you very much